For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. I don't, I don't even consume any of I don't know. mainstream content anymore yeah. for the reasons you're just talking about it. It, yeah. like, it, it does seem transactional and surface and, and yeah. maybe they have a point before they go in. You're not going to learn a whole lot. Sure. You're not going to dig into it like what we would do here. Yeah. It's so funny how it's usually older folks. They mm -hmm. talk about how younger people don't have a big attention span anymore, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, which in some cases is true. But yeah. in other cases, I like three hour podcasts more than I like 15 minute podcasts. For sure. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, on some yeah. on some things, sure. But. I like I'm I'm a huge fan now of listening to long drawn out interviews of yeah. people because you can actually start to get into what they believe and their right. ideas and oh okay I, I yeah. and if you hear someone talk long enough you can start to tell if they're if they actually mean what they say they're right. they're talking about or not yep. and and if they're willing to even sit down to talk for a few hours Correct. in an unformatted manner well, it's it's like that in itself tells me something, right? Because a lot of people won't do that. A lot, yeah, most that we kind of look to as leaders right now. Aren't. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, in including the sitting president of the United States. Correct. Just won't do interviews, right. which is crazy. Amazing. It's just interesting. But yeah, I love I love what Hoopa's doing with give us their. They're they're great. I um, I have such a respect for them and what Brian's done. You know. Obviously, they're a competitor of ours, and yeah. um, we're also a concrete company. We do site, concrete, industrial services. So our concrete team, especially years ago, did a lot of work alongside Hoopaw. Yeah. And they were one of our, if we weren't doing the combined scope where we would do the site work and the concrete, they were like, hey, you know, we want to work with them. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they were always just good people. Sure. You know, like they were, and, uh, but then when Brian took it over from Larry um, and, uh, and, and brought operations and manager brian in they, they kind of took it to a new level from a culture standpoint yeah and they're I, I i would say they are among the f the the companies out there really leading the charge yeah and then they're not just leading it but they're talking about it and they want everybody along with them yeah. which is just the coolest the coolest thing and every time i talk I and mean, they've been a huge help for us yeah huge good. help good and every time they're just like yeah we just want to support you guys yeah <laughs> and it's like man this is cool just to have the support of 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 folks like that yeah. without i mean there's there needs to be something in return mm -hmm. it's business and we right. all need to support one another at the end of the day but yeah. but first and foremost it's we want to support you yeah which i think is 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 really something else yeah 
um, and just how they're how much they're investing in their people over it's just it's crazy. I mean, if you did the podcast, you saw their their development yeah. center, which a lot of companies would look at and just say, oh, that's just a waste of money. That's just wasted overhead. Right. We don't do that. That's not our model. Right. And little do they know that sure that's not their model now. That hasn't been their model, but that's the model in the future. No, for sure. Well, there uh, we we used to consider ourselves like best in class from a training standpoint. Mm-hmm. Just we we were doing it kind of before a lot of people were, and and they've leapfrogged us for a number of of reasons. Um, but they, you know, they go back to competition in the market. And Brian, I talked about this on the on the podcast. It's like that we see what they're doing, they see what we're doing, and it pushes us all forward, makes sure. the industry better. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's awesome what they're doing. Yeah, and and and. I think that's the thing with competition too. It's I think the hyper competitive nature of this industry. It's mm-hmm. it's had a degrading effect in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. everybody they're just so fixated on who they bid against. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> sure, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm competitive too. I yeah. totally understand. But at the same time, those people that you're bidding against are really on your team in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. They're the ones um, supporting the same labor market you're pulling from, supporting mm-hmm. a lot of the same subcontractors mm-hmm. that you're pulling from, supporting yep. the whole local community that you're also supporting. Right. And I think if the industry, like what we're trying to do at the summit, if, if the industry started thinking like a team and mm-hmm. acting like a team, mm-hmm. I think we could go a lot further together. I think we, and I think we have to. I don't, I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it's an option at this point. I think the industry needs to operate as a cohesive unit or else there's no hope. There's, there's all these other industries out there. Like I, I, I think the airlines are a great example. Okay. Most, most other industries are dominated by just a few players. Mm-hmm. And even if you think it's not a few players, it really is. Yeah, if oh, you I look agree. at the very top of the pyramid, yeah. it's just a few companies that, that, that own most markets. Yeah. We could have a four hour conversation on that. Well, and, and so you have, you know, the airline CEOs, mm-hmm. They they make sure the airlines as a whole, the industry as a whole, are good to go mm-hmm. before they go compete with one another. Oh yeah, <laughs> and even the competition's pretty limited. And right. they're not going to say that, but it's for sure limited. Right. You think you have an option? You don't have an option with right. you fly. Right. <laughs> There's certain routes that are dominated by certain airlines, and they keep it that way. <laughs> That's right. And and so, but they're but they're industry first. And then their specific business second. Okay. That's in a lot of that's ways. That's a good analogy. And we don't have that yep. as an industry because we're so fragmented and so fixated right. on competition that right. everybody's competing amongst themselves. We're not thinking like a cohesive unit mm-hmm. that can advocate for itself yep. before we then go think of ourselves as individuals. Yeah. But I think we're I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, we, we are. Uh, you talked about it earlier about... Um, what we're, you know what we're doing at the at the Dirt World Summit, where you're you're bringing together a group of people who have their same mindset, right? And if that group of people sets the tone, then others will follow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. What you're talking about, and I, I keep I keep messing up saying Dirt World Summit. It's the area Dirt World Summit. That's another great business that's been a hundred percent behind us. Yeah. I don't even know why they're so supportive of us. They're, and I say that in a joking way, but they've just been. They've helped make this whole thing possible too. They're the best. I, I loved Ariat before you, before they became a sponsor here yeah. and wore them. And so, and then that was a really 
cool kind of benefit of yeah i got yeah. my boots in the yeah, mail yeah, the other yeah, day you got right? a pair of boots that's great and yeah. uh yeah so they're they're wonderful so yeah air yacht's awesome yeah well um you know every boot company reached out to me and and i'm not i'm not a, a working man mm-hmm. I, I i've i've said that i'll say it a hundred times over mm-hmm. i'm not a working man but yeah. i'm still out on job sites yeah. I, I still travel the world i need a good pair of boots that yeah. can hold up to yeah. quite a bit of of running around yeah and I've always worn Ariat since I started in construction. Well, it was my second pair of boots in construction. The first yeah. pair was just some garbage, garbage steel toes. I found yeah. it like Sears. Yeah, that's all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's everybody. Yeah. And so I found a proper pair of boots and I've worn them since. And, yeah. and all these other boot companies have reached out. Why don't you try our boots? This and that. Yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm just, I'm good. Yeah. And we tried to do something with Ariat a few years ago and it just wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and we were still early on as a business. And then we reconnected with them and yeah, it's just like this is cool because I'm the biggest fan of you guys. Like, yeah. I, I love this company, and it's so cool to have them supporting us um, alongside a lot of other companies. Still, it's like a lot of construction companies, uh-huh. um, and even we have like Deer supporting mm-hmm. the the event now. We have Con Expo supporting the event. Oh wow! Yeah, it's the support we have is insane. Like looking up to these companies, yeah, and these associations or whoever they are for years and years and years, and now we're doing business with them and they're supporting us. It's like, yeah. that's a big deal. What do you think the inflection point was for BuildWit as an organization to get to that point where you were kind of <laughs> documenting and part of what was going on to where you're leading the way and people are supporting you so you can push it forward? I don't know if there's really been an inflection point. Mm-hmm. I think the inflection point thing is a really fun thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And like the, it's portrayed in movies and TV shows where it's just like, I get it. And it's this montage of, like, I just saw it the other night watching this one movie about uh, Jordans. Uh, I feel like it's called like Air. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. And he's watching this one play and then he watches it again. He watches it again. You can tell like he gets it there. It's like, I, maybe that's how it works for some people, but that's not how it's worked for me. Yeah. It's just been a gradual progression. Okay. And so we've been, we've been, I've been doing it now for over six years. Okay. And over a six year period, you can only bullshit so much. Right. (laughs) And so I think uh, once you have a big enough sample size, people start to recognize that, oh, uh, this is actually legitimate. (laughs) And it is legitimate. I, I like, I, you can only keep up this facade for so long. And I haven't called everything right. I haven't always said the right thing. I've, a lot of my ideas have been completely wrong, but ultimately I've wanted this industry to succeed. And that's what I've been trying to do is build a business to help it do so Yeah, in all different ways. Um, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. And I think uh, just a lot of folks have, have been with us for long enough to recognize that now. Yeah. So I think that's what, that's what it's been. It's just been consistency. Yeah. Well, and consistency mixed with passion and good people, right? Yeah. That's kind of yes. what I heard you say out of that. You had a, it wasn't, you didn't just start this to make money yeah you started this because you had a real passion for what the industry was and specifically the dirt world the the, the context of the big equipment and moving dirt and laying pipe and that's blasting it. rock and that sort of thing and playing with big fun toys yeah we all grew up with as kids that's it and then you put together a group of people who share that same passion sure and people recognize that it's, you can't hide that yeah um yeah. so that's that's awesome good for you guys how many how many folks are are at your your organization overall? You know, we are fluctuating between about five fifty, six hundred. That's a there. that's a big operation. Good size operation. We've been lucky. 
um, over the years, you know, we've, we've, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the trend line, it's kind of up and to the right and we've had some tough times, you know, the 0809 was rough coat. The first, a uh, little while of COVID and the unknown around that was tough for everybody and had some bumps in the road along the way. Like we talked about when I first sat down, some, yeah, some growth pains related to culture and managing that and making sure that we grew the right way and had the right people. So, um, but yeah, it's, we're slowly building and plan to grow more. I mean, that's where we we're built. We're, well, it's one of the biggest things we're doing right now is talking about, uh, how we create, um, people processes and, uh, and, you know, to allow us to grow, sure, right? Yeah, to, to, yeah. So everybody can can be head be on the same page and head in the right direction, as opposed to everybody kind of scattered doing yeah. their own thing. Yeah, I um, and now that I'm thinking of of you guys, I shared this. Speaking of people, too, I shared this video that went around the internet mm-hmm. of one of your foreman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah Cuba man, he's the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. I, I it was he was handing out lunch yeah. or like twenty dollar bills to his crew to get yeah. food or whatever it was. Yeah, and one of the guys was filming it. Yeah, I don't. He wasn't doing it to get filmed i think right. it just it looked legitimate who knows if it was or not but it it looked sincere it looked legit i shared that just yeah. like hey this is this is awesome to yeah. see yeah yeah it, no it was it was very genuine yeah and, and literally just on the side of the road next to a project um where we were we were doing some pond maintenance sure and uh it was a tough mucky dirty uh job and his guys had done a really good job for him he goes you know what Here's what you like. So the coolest part about that, yeah, you saw the video and he was handing out, for, you know, he gave everybody a little bit of cash. Yeah. It was his own money too. You know, so it wasn't like he came to me or anybody else and got money. He put sure. the ATM on his own, but he also gave them snacks and some other things yeah. that he knew his crew well enough. I think there were to some tobacco products. There yeah. were some. <laughs> he knew his crew well enough to know what they liked. Yeah. You know, vice or not. What, yeah, what, sure. what, what they would appreciate. Yeah. So I think that was the coolest part about the video for me was not that just that Cuba was recognizing his people, but he knew how they wanted to be recognized. He knew his crew well enough to say thank you in a way that they would appreciate. Yeah. Oh, and that's why, that's why I shared it. Cause it just, it came off as genuine and, yeah. and it's this small act. It's, mm-hmm. it's very insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but it, it goes, something like that can go a long way, a really long way. Yeah. And I think uh, the dirt world historically hasn't been great about the appreciation side of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always about what what the industry can do better. Right. Um, it's always about what mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. It's it's very rarely about what's going right. Right. And and celebrating what's right. going right. And so to see that as kind of like a hey, this is this is great. And that's you know, it takes five minutes and it doesn't have to be money it doesn't have to be anything all that significant but just giving everybody a pat on the back i think that's that's fantastic leadership it it is it's perfect leadership and not only are you recognizing those folks but the people who were on the periphery or maybe didn't get recognized or seeing uh behaviors that you want to be repeated sure recognize yes okay yeah that's what this company's culture is about yes i can go and mimic that now i see it's not just going and beating somebody down because they didn't do exactly what, you know, you get a lot more out of people kind of looking around and going, kind of having this self-policing culture. Yeah. If you reward the things that you want to see like Cuba did in that situation, um, then other people see it and they go, all right, I can do that. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, 
I've tried to be really deliberate about that as a mm-hmm. leader to make sure I, I, I always try to think, so what behaviors do we want to encourage? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from our, our values of yeah. our organization. And then as I see those behaviors, I'm, <clears throat> I don't always, I'm not always great at it yeah. because there's the, you know, you go back and forth. It's like, well, they're doing what they're supposed to do. You know, congratulations. Right. You're, you're, you're doing what you're paid for. Right. But I, I also understand there's, there's, it's important to reinforce those values. So as I see those behaviors, even those small behaviors, I try to call it out and right. try to recognize it because then you're reinforcing that behavior. And making that then the norm going forward. Yes. I don't always do a great job at it, like I said. None but of us do. Yeah. I, 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 I have been, that's one of the things I've had to work on as a leader. Yeah. I think we all have to have, we have trouble doing that. And, and especially those of us in the construction industry that grew up in it, that's not how we came up. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, whether it's natural to us or not, it's not how we delivered results in the past. Like we just did our job. Sure. And the reward was, you go home at the end of the day and either you didn't get yelled at or you had something tangible in front of you that you accomplished and that was kind of the reward. Yeah. Um, and, and this isn't a generational thing, like the new generation needs this. or not. No, it, it is more about if you want to get the best results out of people, um, in which in, in the end, construction, we, all, we joke around, construction is easy. People are hard, Yeah. right? It's based on relationships and trust and that comes from a place of vulnerability and none of us do that very well. Yeah. So in order to go and recognize people, you have to put yourself out there. You, you know, you as a leader of Build Whip, me as a leader of Wayne Brothers, we're probably not, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not, I'm not going to be the expert on laying pipe or moving dirt. Sure. You're not going to be the expert on what, whatever it is that you see, always see out in the field. You kind of have to put yourself in a place of vulnerability and then see those things are going well and recognize, hey, somebody else is out here doing a really good job. I need to recognize them for that. I couldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um. And, and then you build that trust and that relationship. And then everybody, like you said, sees the behaviors that you really kind of become repeatable and, and that builds culture. Um, uh, I think it's too, everybody gets so caught up in the generational thing, right? which I think is, and I've, I've been guilty of this all the time, but I, I think it just creates this us versus them mentality, which right. does nobody any good. Right. I think it's more so just this human nature thing. That's exactly right. That we need to figure out. (laughs) We're all the exact same. Yeah. How does human nature work and how can we work with it rather than against it? And and I, a lot of people have a sour attitude towards people in in the industry. Mm -hmm. They just want to move dirt. They just want to pour concrete. They just want to build stuff. Yep. But you can't do any of that without human beings. Right. So the faster you work with it, the better off everybody is. Everybody wins as a result. Um, including you as the leader. I've, mm-hmm. I mean, you've probably seen folks like this and I've, I've been here. It's, you'll see people so stressed out and so worked up in these mm-hmm. leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are moments where it's really stressful, but at the same time, if that's the, the average state of affairs, that that's a choice at the end of the day. Right. You're ultimately choosing to be there. You don't have to be there. If you, you figure out and learn how to lead effectively right? and I'm not there, but I've, I've seen some of the benefits of that Mm -hmm. and it's pretty cool once you start to grasp it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Well, if we all just have the attitude that you just talked about, like we, we want to be better leaders and the results that we want come from, uh, leadership and relationships and good people, um, then we all understand that we're not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not where we can be. Uh, our our 
vision statement is uh, building together in pursuit of excellence at Wayne Brothers. Mm. And that pursuit is one of them. You know, all of it's great. We can talk about every single word individually, but that pursuit is one of the things we really harp on that you have to always, no matter whether, whether you're good, bad, in the moment, don't be indifferent. Mm-hmm. Go forward. Sure. You're looking towards, hey, I want to get there. I see a goal out in the future and I'm working towards it. And we're not always going to make the right decision. We're not always going to make the right step, but we are taking action. Yeah. And we're learning and getting feedback and working together. And once, uh, once we understand where we're headed, we can keep pursuing that, become that, whether it's a good leader or, yeah. or even, I mean, simple stuff. I, I want to get here by lunch mm-hmm. and then I want to get here by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps us get to where we want to by the end of the week. You know, just that, that constant pursuit. Yeah. And in that pursuit, uh, in construction, I think it's a lot cooler than a lot of other industries mm-hmm. because you can really see it. Like you said, yeah. I want to get here by lunch. We, yeah. we have those benchmarks as an yeah. industry because we work in the physical world. Right. And even if a project is, you know, we have projects, but maybe a project is a multi-year job, which, yeah. which happens more and more now with these big jobs. You can still break that multi-year job down into days yes. and hours yes. and what needs to happen right now. And yes. so you can look at it almost like games, you know, so yeah. today is the game. How do we need to, what do we need to do to win today's game? Right. Did we win today's game? Right. What can we improve upon? And then you go to tomorrow, you have a whole new game tomorrow, right. which is awesome. And, and even if yesterday was a complete disaster or yesterday was uh, an amazing day where you just blew it out of the water. Yeah. It's still, in a lot of ways, completely, if you look at it this way, a completely fresh start. Yeah. Completely new opportunity. Right. And you can then, you know, stretch that pursuit further and further and further and further because there's just, there's always more to go after. There's always new problems. There's, there's always something to reach. For. Right. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. And, and that competition that you're talking about, where there's a competition with yourself to uh, load a truck. Yeah. In less time. Sure. Or the competition between crews where, you know, our set of trucks are going to move more dirt today than your set mm-hmm. of trucks. Or your, your, your competition between days, like what you were talking about. Collectively, we, you know, we moved 10,000 yards today. We're going to move 12,000 yards tomorrow. Yeah. It, there, it's very tangible. Human, it's human nature. You want to see results. You want feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So like we were talking about earlier, when you're recognizing the behaviors that you want, that encourages more behaviors. That's just human, it's human nature to want feedback. Yeah. And if we can do what you're talking about, turn into a game and understand the competition between ourselves and each other and the day, um, that's how progress is made and how the days get a lot shorter. That's it. That's it. Cause yeah, because it's the difference between just driving a truck mm-hmm. for 12 hours, mm-hmm. which can be pretty mind numbing. Yeah. I've if you're there. just, yeah. just doing circles in a truck with no purpose, no understanding of the big picture. Right. You're just a cog in the machine that, you know, for some people that might do it for a lot of people though, that's, that's really not going to do it. But if you make that driving a truck part of the overall mission and make that truck part of what needs to happen in that day and define the parameters and, and allow that truck to understand if they're, if they're performing well or not, then, uh, or even allow that truck to the opportunity to provide feedback on, hey, we're, yeah. we're, we're using this haul road, but I was thinking about it and there's this option over here. You know, I don't, I don't know what's best here, but I at least just wanted to call it out. And, right. and even for them to feel comfortable enough to say something like that, yep. which is probably pretty rare on most sites, yep. you don't want to make a suggestion like that as a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you make it something more with really just a cultural shift and not even that dramatically of a cultural shift, Mm -hmm. really just a perspective shift, communication shift, but it's, it's still somewhat the same thing, Mm -hmm. but it's completely different Yeah, with just that little twist. You're, I I mean, exactly what you just talked about. We have a real world example uh, earlier, I guess it would have been probably mid-summer, we were working on a couple hundred acre dirt job. We're building the, doing the site work for a rebar plant was being built Mm. in North Carolina. Mm. And uh, we got out there and the rock was about 10 feet higher than what we thought. Nice. You know, wonderful. Nice. Um, And uh, so not only is the rock higher, but because the rock's higher, the water has nowhere to go. Mm. You're, you know, the method of moving dirt is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the areas you can work is changing. That there are a million different buildings and substations, and each one of those have different types of material that have to be, have to be placed there. So you, you know, we got good dirt. We got blast <coughs> rock. We got crushed rock. We got three inch minus crushed rock. You yeah. know, so all of a sudden. The plan, you know, oh, Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. We got punched in the face, right? And we're mm-hmm. going, all right, well, where are we going to move all this dirt? Well, you know, the topsoil is over here, but it's so wet. We can't, you know, we can't strip it with pans like we were planning on. We're going to top load it and haul trucks. And then, yeah. um, so, you know, lo- long story short, we're all working in the background trying to figure out, all right, we got we to, one, figure out what the conditions are, mm-hmm. then two, put together a plan. And so we kind of figured it out in the first couple of weeks. We got a little bit better and everybody kind of understood, all right, we're moving this dirt here and we're doing that and, um, and we're trying to hit our goals, uh, but we still weren't, it wasn't clicking. Mm. And our project manager and superintendent team, they came together and they put a big board up where we have our morning meetings and our toolbox talks. And they literally put the plan up, laminated with uh, dry erase mm-hmm. markers and start going, all right, crew A, crew B, crew C, crew D on down the line. Uh, your color is red. Here's your hall path. Here's your dirt. Here's, here's the type. Here's where it's going. Uh, you know, this is blast rock. It can't go here. We have to have three inch minus. It's got to go there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a light comes on in everybody's head and they go, oh. Interesting. And production shoots through the roof. Mm-hmm. And, and we go from moving minuscule dirt and just kind of beating our head against the wall to all of a sudden, it's not two or three people in an office trying to figure out how we get better. Everybody understands what the end goal is and they're just doing it. Yeah. And now it's fun again. And then guys, yeah. and you, you hear the chatter back and forth on the radio about, yeah, I got these many loads and I got these many loads. And sure. um, so it's a real world example from a few months ago of exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more we communicate, the more we interact with people, the more we talk about what our goals are, the more we understand what the people need, the easier it is one to get through the day. Yeah. Enjoyably. Yeah. And two, have results at the end that meet our needs yeah. as a company to succeed um, and, and provide value to our clients, which is really why we're there. Sure. Right. And in, in the end, we're, we, everything we're talking about, growing people and processes, and, and uh, we, we do that so that at the end of the day, we can provide a value to a client. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are paying us. Yeah. And then if they pay us and we can pay our team and then we're all, it gives us the ability to continue to grow. Um, but if you're focused on that, if you're just focused on trying to meet production, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. You're focused on the people and the process and the relationships and the, everybody understanding where you need to go. Then the production is a byproduct of that interaction, which is wonderful. That's such a, that's such a simple, great example. I saw 
We were with Knife River, a company mm-hmm. in the, the northwest. They're all across the um, west of the Mississippi. Big, big operation, like mm-hmm. 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. They have this training facility, and part of their foreman training is teaching their foreman how to lay things out in a visual manner. Ah, I and, like that. and they have, you know, you go to the car wash, and they have the, the wax pen on, mm-hmm. your, on your window. Yeah. They, they're like, you don't even need a whiteboard on a job site. Yeah. You have a pickup truck. <laughs> and so they give their foreman these wax pens that you can write on the window of your pickup truck with. How about for your for your job meetings? Great idea to lay things out visually. Yeah, it's one of the most clever things I've seen to date. Out of all of the stuff I've seen, that is like why why doesn't this happen on every single job site? Yeah, but whether you know whether it's writing our pickup or or just laying out the plans mm-hmm. in a in a in a way that everybody can see it. Yeah. I attend a lot of uh, toolbox talks mm-hmm. and morning meetings. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. And uh, I've 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 seen them, you know, across the spectrum mm-hmm. from the the ten twenty billion dollar year companies to mm-hmm. the million dollar year companies and everything in between. Very rarely do I actually hear um, the work be talked talked about. Right. It's, it's usually. Reading off a clipboard, whatever it is. Yeah. Here are the safety talking points. Right. Slips, trips, and falls. Be sure to inspect your equipment. Wear your PPE. It's like the same stuff. Right. And then um, here's what's happening today. And there's no, there's no interaction. There's no feedback. There's right. no making sure that everybody understands what's going on. Um, but I'm thinking of a very specific meeting I saw that stuck with me in Arizona with Rummel. They were at a landfill project, mm-hmm. and so they do their safety part of the meeting, mm-hmm. and then they go into their production part of the meeting. Right. And he went through and made sure every single person in that meeting, it took a while, probably 20 minutes, yep. made sure what needed to happen that day with their specific position right. and why. That was, that was pretty slick. Right. And just that, you know, I think everybody's so focused on the production. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't spend the 20 minutes. We right. need to get in these damn machines because if the machines aren't moving, we're not making money. But <laughs> if you just, you know, get in your damn machine and go move dirt, well, what do you mean? You know, right. where am I moving it? Why am I moving it this way? What needs to happen? What do I need to be looking out for? They don't, they don't, they don't really know. You're just assuming they know. And again, I'm, I'm a guy in the bleachers. <laughs> I'm looking at the game from the bleachers. So, you know, it's it's fun for me to comment. I'm not actually in the fight every day, but um, I think that's one of the simplest things, just to make sure everybody understands what the heck's going on, why it's going on, right. and then offer them the ability to just provide a little bit of feedback if they have it. Yeah, it, you hit on a lot of really key topics to the industry, or, or, or don't even take it to an industry level, just to a crew. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about you. You, you talked about being visual and under looking at the plans, understanding where you're supposed to be for a day. You, you talked about the toolbox talks and some of the efficiencies and inefficiencies that go there. You, you talked about um, uh, engaging in the right way with people and making sure they understand, right? So we'll kind of start there and work our way back. You know, if you're, if you're going to go cut down a tree, you know, that, that old analogy, and you've got a dull ax, yeah. you're going to spend a long time cutting down that tree. Sure. If you yeah. spend 20 minutes and sharpen the axe, the tree's coming down pretty quick, uh-huh. assuming you're putting the same amount of effort into it, right? Yeah. So that's exactly what you were talking about right there. Everybody's so focused on production. We got to go lay this pipe. We got to go move this dirt. We have to go fine grade this pad. But if everybody doesn't understand what's going on, 
you're either going to do it multiple times or you're going to be less efficient doing it once, mm-hmm. right? So sharpen that axe first. Things mm-hmm. will be huge. You talked about a toolbox talk. In the end, what is the toolbox talk? What's the purpose of it, right? And some people would say it's to keep everybody safe. And I would agree that that's what they're supposed to be. Sure. But when people are reading from a clipboard and checking uh, and then they pass it around and get everybody signed, what are they really doing? They're really getting a piece of paper that uh, if something goes wrong, limits their liability. That's it. Yeah. If we're really about people, what do we, what do we care about limited liability? We, I, I would rather make sure our people are actually safe sure. than have a signature that says, yeah, we trained them in some general way. And maybe they did understand or maybe they didn't. Maybe mm-hmm. they just signed the paper because that's the way they clock in for the day, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's garbage. But if we, if we go back to what you were talking about, and, and we actually, I mean, another real world example on, on a job, we were having some incidents and we're, we like to think we have a very good safety culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were starting to, luckily they weren't personal injuries, but we're having some equipment incidents, sure. which are, can become very serious very quickly. I mean, everybody in the industry knows that. And so we're going, all right, this is, this, this is bad. We're, you know, we've had two or three incidents here over the course of the first month, the job, what's going on. And all of a sudden we get, we start doing these toolbox talks and we're having people recognize each other. Hey, I saw so-and-so doing a good job. He was working safe. He helped me yesterday. He did this. Mm. I saw so-and-so exhibit this behavior. I saw so-and-so do this. And then our superintendents, then project managers and operations managers are going, Hey guys, here's what we're, here's the focus for the day. Mara, can you bring back a safety concern or, or where you saw a lesson learned or a recognized a hazard? And we started talking about that. So that's a lot different than reading. And, and, and also the incident stopped, mm-hmm. right? For a, lot, for a lot of different reasons. You know, one, it may be you're never going to eliminate every hazard. No. But what I would submit was that people had their mind and their mindset was different. Mm-hmm. If, you just, if you're going to read off a checklist, people's minds are going to just be on robot mode. Sure. And robot mode produces complacency, which produces incidents, especially when you're focused on production and you're telling people to rush at the end of the week, you're fatigued, you're frustrated, all that. You know, those are the kind of the four things that lead to incidents. Um, but if you focus on the people and you focus on the behaviors that you want to see and talk through those, you get people in the right mindset to eliminate those. So again, yeah, a byproduct. Yeah. And then one, one of the first things that you talked about was visual learners, right? We, Years ago, we've, one of our core values is pioneering proactive solutions. Like, so we want to be innovative. Uh-huh. We want to kind of be out on the cutting edge of everything. And we were. So when iPads first came out, we went to digital, digital plans pretty quickly. We put them all on our mm-hmm. server. We, we do projects that are very fast paced. The, the drawings, I feel like, change as much as we change clothes out there yeah. in the field. Yeah. And it went from, well, we can't go to the print shop every single day and bring a new set of plans out there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put them on the server. You guys are going to download the app. Uh, on your iPad, and then every single day you're going to have the most up-to-date <clears throat> drawings. Sure, and that is efficient. Um, but we started to see a gap in the foreman ranks, right? So our foremen were still growing and becoming superintendents, but our apprentices, laborers, operators, there was a gap. We weren't we weren't growing that next group of foremen. Mm. And we're going, why is that? Well, we all used to stand around the plan table out in the middle of the building pad. Yeah. And we'd learn what's going on. Yeah. If at lunch, if I was a kid who just started three weeks ago and was and had some <laughs> desire to get better, I'd eat my lunch real quick and go stand at the plan table and figure out, all right, well, that pond's over there and we're laying this pipe over here. And mm-hmm. eventually where I'm standing needs to come up 10 feet. Sure. Um and uh 
And so then I kind of understood and I was able to do my job better because without somebody telling me, I could go and get the information myself. Well, in this digital world where we kind of take that plan table away and put it in behind lock and key of mm. technologies and passwords and security. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, the apprentices and operators and carpenters that are hungry to learn this stuff don't have access to it. That's fascinating. So you get back to what you were talking about earlier, going back to the wax uh, pin on yeah. a on a, a windshield or our, our dry erase on the board. We have to still make that information available. And the we we have to be uh, do a good job of communicating. Yeah, but we have to make it available for those who will seek it out without us. Right? Sure. Because if we just talk about it at a toolbox talk or or maybe a check in right after lunch or something like that, that's twenty minutes twice a day at the best. If we make it available, then people can go find it on their own. Yeah. So you know we talk about your app, the 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 the, the build with platform. Mm-hmm. It, that is a massive win for the industry. Yeah. You can load whatever you want there. Yeah. You all have great content and you have to have great content to kind of help, help people see, all right, yeah, this is, this is worth it to begin with, but sure. we can put our content on there and let people who are hungry to improve themselves go find it. Yeah. That's, it's such a, that is such an interesting example of technology in theory, making things more efficient, but actually causing other problems right. Be, I, because I've, I've talked about something similar, like with with grade control mm-hmm. and GPS. Yeah. It's great. It's great. But but if you're digging a hole, typically you would have somebody with a grade rod mm-hmm. in that hole mm-hmm. helping the excavator operator whoever's doing the actual excavation mm-hmm. make grade. Mm-hmm. That's the best position to learn how to make grade from. Sure. <laughs> and then that person naturally then goes to the machine and right. then okay, I understand what needs to happen here. I know how to I know how to make grade from that perspective. Now I'm learning it from this perspective, but at least have the background knowledge. I at least understand the fundamentals. Well, if you, if you just uh, replace that person with a 3D GPS machine, Mm -hmm. well, now, now you just removed that entry level position. Right. So what are you doing to bridge that gap? Right. Well, you're doing nothing. So now you're setting yourself back further while you're setting yourself ahead in a lot of ways by implementing this GPS technology. Right. You're also walking back in a lot of ways and you, you won't even see that yes. until a lot of times it's too late. Like you were saying, right. you know, hey, we, we have this group that they're advancing, but this, this group staying put in this gap in between is widening further yeah. and further and further. Yeah. And that's, that's problematic in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, that's just so, because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm putting myself back to when I was a young mm-hmm. uh, laborer mm-hmm. on a pipe crew. And I would sit there and look at the plants. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was looking at. Right. I had no idea what any of that meant. But I would look at those plants every chance I got, yeah. trying to understand what the heck. And I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, w- I probably wouldn't ask the questions I should have. Right. I would try to learn it myself and try right. to look at the plans that were open on the on the dash or the 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 hood of the truck and then I'd go over to the stakes and and try to like match up the stakes and try to kind of figure out what everything oh that makes yeah. sense okay yeah. I kind of understand what's going on yeah. but if if the foreman was walking around with an iPad with the plans on the iPad I wouldn't have had that opportunity I yeah. wouldn't have been learning that yeah. it, it, which is I've never even I've never thought of that yeah 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 nothing's all good or all bad nothing Sure. You know, especially this day and age, whether you're talking about what we're talking about in construction, whether you're talking about politics, business, you know, schools of thought, 
nothing is all good or all bad. Yeah. You you can take the good and the bad from everything you do. And the examples that we're talking about here are, are perfect mm-hmm. things to be talking about in that regard. Um, you have to constantly want to improve and constantly have your head on a swivel for that unintended consequence that's going to slap you in the face in whatever period of time it shows it rears its ugly head. Yeah. Um, our, our industry was uh, not innovative for years. Um, and now we're becoming innovative, either some out of desire, some out of kind of a force in, sure. in, into the future. Um, but no matter what, there are going to be some unintended consequences that come of that. Yeah. We're going to have to really make sure that we understand that and keep our focus on the people. Yeah. Because you can have the best process in the world. You can have the best equipment in the world. You can have the greatest clients of the, in the world. If you don't have good people, who are all pushing in the same direction, who feel supported, who feel like they have a, a, a purpose, um, then all the rest of that's going to go away. Well, but that's, that's also the exciting part for me. Mm-hmm. That creates huge opportunity that hasn't been available in this industry in a very long time. Mm-hmm. In, this, in this world, unless you are in some kind of unique market, that really blew up or there mm-hmm. were there were there were obviously exceptions to the rule but as a, a civil construction company you could only grow at a specific rate because right. you can't outpace your cash yeah. and it's a very very cash hungry business mm-hmm. and so that that cash flow dictates how much you can grow every year right and it's only gotten more and more constrained and mm-hmm. so the big players in theory only get bigger because they're the ones that have the balance sheets mm-hmm. And good luck if you want to go head to head with them. And if you do want to go to head head to head with them, it's going to be a a 20 year slog Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to make it happen every year for 20 straight years Mm -hmm. to then just chip away. Mm -hmm. And you might end up in a pretty good spot, but it's, it's, you're just going to be chipping away. Now you have some of the biggest, most longstanding companies in this industry that don't have this whole people thing figured out. Correct that don't have the operating systems they need to handle the people, to train the people, to do what they do. They're working on these old operating systems. Mm -hmm. And if it's a thousand person organization, that's a big ship to turn around. And that takes a lot of time to get that thing squared away and turned around. And there's going to be a lot of old school people hanging on in there, you know, unintentionally, intentionally sabotaging that change because yeah. it's uncomfortable. They've been doing it one way. It's worked really well for 35 years. I'm not changing now. And while those really slow moving ships are trying to figure out where you can, where they need to go, you can just zip right by. Yeah. It creates this huge, wide open opportunity for the Wayne brothers of the world that mm-hmm. have been around the block that do have that balance sheet and get it, which mm-hmm. is really exciting mm-hmm. or somebody that has five people working at their business, right. but wants to get a lot bigger. If you can figure out the people thing, it's a wide open world. Wide open world. That, that, that is the lever, mm-hmm. right? That, that your people, your culture and having, there, there are all sorts of great people, Yeah. right? But you have to have people that align with your culture. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, you have to define your culture. Then you have to have people that fit well, and then they're going to attract other people that fit well. Sure. And again, nothing's all good or all bad. There are a lot of really great people that may not fit a culture, and they can kind of self-select out. Yeah, because it is defined. They go, yeah, it's not not for me. Yeah, right. And then everybody's healthier, right? Everybody's moving along a little bit, a little bit better. So yeah, the 
I, I like the way you put it and framed it. It's um, you can have all the cash in the world. We I, I mentioned this to you earlier. We shared some some common bumps and bruises right around growth. Um, you can buy equipment, yeah. right? Uh, if you get out over your skis from an ability to manage culture and grow people and keep people engaged, you're going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. And you're either going to choose to go backwards and get your arms back around it and then grow again in the right way, or it's going to choose to go backwards for you. Yeah. And generally, that's when the the skint knees that result in broken bones and and good balance sheets turn into bad balance sheets. That's when that occurs. Well, and that's the scary thing about where a lot of the market's at right mm-hmm. now is everything's been really good for a lot of years. Really good. That covers up a lot of sins. It's covered a lot of sins, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of change that should be happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's not right. because everybody's fooled into thinking that, well, it's right because we're we're doing better financially than we ever have been. Right. Well, yes, that is true in most cases. Mm-hmm. It's covering up a lot of things that that need to adjust, right. and I don't think I I. This year's been really good for me because yeah. I've started to, and maybe this is a naive thing to say, ironically, but I've started to recognize how naive I really am. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've started I've started to recognize that you know over the past few years I've I've gotten a lot of life experience very quickly, uh-huh. and it's now starting to s- settle a little bit, yep. and I'm starting to recognize. Oh, I have this very naive view of people and human nature and yeah it's of course they just want to change and 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 always get better and 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 want to go in that next direction but that's not the case and i think a lot of companies they don't want to change they don't want to get uncomfortable that's the last thing people really want to do is get uncomfortable shake the the apple cart whatever it is i don't want to mess with something going really good and until there's pain, they're not changing. Right. So we have the the early adopters, mm-hmm. the Wayne brothers, the Hoopas, the sergeants that are leading the charge that are setting a great example for everybody. But I don't I don't think the average moves until there's serious pain. And I don't know when that'll be. Yeah. It's certainly not right now. But at the same time, someone We've been raising capital. We're at the kind of the back mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah. And someone asked, and it's been the first round or second round, a hundred times harder than the second, the first round. I'll bet. A hundred times. Brutal. We've, we're almost there. So we've, we've done it. I'm not one to give up, but it's been brutal. And someone asked the other day, last week, they said, why has it been so hard? That's, is it, it's kind of troubling that it's been this hard. And mm-hmm. I said, well, yeah, but. What's happening in the marketplace is everything's really good, but every, everybody's almost like suspicious about it. Mm-hmm. They're looking at it. They're just like, why is everything so good right now? Mm-hmm. And they're still making hay while the sun's shining. Right. Oh, they are still buying equipment and, and bidding and grabbing that backlog as much as they can. So they're still just going for it. Mm-hmm. But Every day that goes by, you can just tell everybody's getting more and more nervous, mm-hmm. more and more nervous, more and more nervous. It just doesn't make sense. And everybody can kind of, is kind of picking up on it. Yeah. And maybe that's completely unfounded. I didn't live through 2008, 2009, right. 2010. 
I mean, I did, yeah. but I was a kid. I didn't right. really understand it. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm sure some of that's left over from mm-hmm. those years that I've heard were really not a good time. Correct. Um, and some of it's very well-founded, I think. It's just this ge- general unease right now. Yeah. And I don't think anybody really knows what to do about it. Yeah. It's an odd time, not just in the industry, but in the world. There's a lot of conditions you can look out across the horizon and go, well, that doesn't make these two things don't go together. Yeah. Right. And so I think that probably creates a lot of that unease. Um, it's also one of the busiest I, people always say, hey, how's it going? And one of the result, uh, the responses people give is, hey, I'm busy. Right. Oh, yeah. It's one of my least favorite responses because <laughs> yeah. everybody's busy. That's what I right? say. Everybody's busy. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah welcome. But, but we are right now. And this is probably the busiest point in my 20 year career at Wayne Brothers. Mm-hmm. I've never been this busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's all, and it's a good busy. Um, but to your point earlier, um, it can do a couple things. One, it's, it's good busy, busy people are doing well. Uh, we're out making money that covers a lot of sins that we don't have to focus on some of the problems, some of the warts that we really need to be looking at. Right. So that's, that's one part of it. Two is we're busy operationally. Most everybody in the, in the construction world came out of the field. Yeah, I, you know, the first few years I was at Wayne Brothers, I was out in the field, operationally minded. I didn't come, I didn't get my MBA, I didn't get a degree in HR. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that you need to manage a business or improve uh, your talent development and workforce development programs, that's not the focus. When we're busy, we revert to what is normal for us, and that is moving dirt, laying pipe, pouring yeah. concrete, yeah. welding pipe. You know, and so it's very easy for us to kind of have that unease because we are where we are comfortable. Mm-hmm. We're not forcing ourselves outside of our comfort zone and going, hey, right now during the good times and when we need to be focused on improving the organization, sharpening the axe. Because when it comes time to cut that tree, when it's rough, yeah, we got to cut it quick. Well, I th- and I think that's what's working against everybody Correct. is they're not sharpening the axe right now when they should be mm-hmm. because they're uneasy. Right. And they're using that as, well, I don't know. I, I'm going to actually hold on to my cash. Yeah. And I know how much cash is out there right now. Yeah. There's mountains of it. Mountains. I, and even, okay, sure, there's all these private construction companies. I can go look at the earning statements of all the public materials companies out there. <laughs> they're doing just fine right now. Yep. Like record fine. The money's out there, but yeah, they're just like... I'm going to hold on to it because I don't know when in reality, ironically, this should be a period of hefty investment mm-hmm. in leadership and better processes and sharpening that ax however right. we can from a, a people standpoint, right. but it's not happening right. with a lot of organizations. And it's like, Ooh, so what happens? And I don't know what, I don't know what happens. I'm not going to, because a lot of people at the same time, it's been very interesting to hear how, how certain people are about something happening with the economy. So it's like, Oh, Oh, so you're an economist now? Like you, you yeah. know for sure that yeah. this is going to happen this year. Like, how, how do you know that? And, and yeah. if and if you know that, why aren't you putting all of your chips in the middle of the table on right. on that hand? Right. Like, because <laughs> you're not. Yeah. And so you sound certain, but uh, are you really that certain? Like they talk with this absolute certainty. There's a recession coming in the next twelve months, and this is what needs to happen to prepare. I'm just like, mm, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe not. What happens if it doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> like, did you did you ask that question? <laughs> yeah, we're we're all right uh, on what is going to happen. We're never right on timing. Sure, right. Things are going to totally. be good yeah. until they're not. Yeah, things are going to get bad 
at some point. That's just the cyclical uh, nature of things. I, so we touched on a couple topics there. A, a really cool statement I heard. Um, so uh, Carolina Cat owned by a wonderful Whisker family. Uh, yeah. They were great partners of ours. And um, Mitch Christenberry is our sales account manager, sales rep. He's sure. part of our family. You know, and and uh, their general manager Mike Frobisher. He and I actually went to college together. And no kidding. Spent. Um, um, yeah, you probably know Mike. Don't yeah, you? yeah. We uh, they're they're coming out to the summit. They, yeah, they've been a great supporter of what we've done too. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're wonderful people. Very smart. The company's been around. They're three three generations. Sure. Uh, you're working on a fourth. Um, but one of the things Mike shared with me that they talked about is like if if it if it makes sense in ten years, it makes sense now, mm-hmm. right? So let's expand on that point a little bit. If you know what your vision is, if you know what your values are, if you had a strategy that is informed by those values and vision, and you know where you're headed, then you can make decisions now that make sense. Yeah. Whether there's a recession tomorrow or 10 years from now, you're making decisions that are going to give you a return based on what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah. Now, that only applies if you know what you're trying to accomplish, if you know what your culture is, if you know what your values are, if you know where you're headed in 10 years. If you don't, and you're just willy-nilly investing in all sorts of things, the, the flashiest thing, if we, we go to some trade show and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty. I'm going to invest in that. And we'll go to the next one and go, oh, that's pretty. I'm going to invest in that. You're not going to get a return on that money. Mm-hmm. So you, you, can, you can sharpen the wrong side of the ax all day sure, and never cut that tree down quicker. But if you're really, really focused on where your company is heading and the right people inside of it and the right culture, and then you invest and you, then you apply that, if it makes sense. 10 years from now, it makes sense today, and I'm going to make that decision. Um, that's really where you, you get that return that we need, that all of us need. Not, you, know, you need cash to survive. Yeah. Cash flow is king. Yeah. Um, you can't spend it all on every – there are unlimited options out there that could provide a return. Mm-hmm. Not all of them will, and not all of them are going to be aligned with what your company needs. So if you can take your limited means and know what you're going to invest every single month, quarter, year, to get where you want to go and stay true to that, no matter what is out on the horizon, sure. then you'll be prepared for whatever is out on the horizon. Yeah. And I, I understand why people invest in the equipment because they can see it. They put it on their balance sheet. It's yeah. real. Yeah. And that, but that bulldozer, a D6 can't walk off right. and go to my competitor. Right. It's my bulldozer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and and so I, I get, there's a there's a level of security and safety in mm-hmm. investing in equipment, and and I understand why people do it. it it's it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that you know, spending a half million on a D six, mm-hmm. probably more than that nowadays, substantially more than that. Um, versus a half million, you know, like one D six versus a half million in investment yeah. in people, right. That's a lot of money, but that's one machine. Like we spend half a million all day long as an industry on equipment. Right. But that is substantial investment in human capital that will create a far greater return on investment than that D6 ever could. Ever, 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 ever. But I understand why it's hard to do that. It's hard to do. And you need to do both. You need to do both. It's not not one or the other. It's both and. And, you know, there are studies out there that show leadership development investment returns eight times whatever you spend, yeah. right? So if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I, I can give you an 8x return, I'll say, my bank's over here, come follow me. Sure. I'll give you whatever you need to get that 8x return. Um, and uh, if you're not investing in people, 
then you're not going to have somebody to run that dozer, mm. right? And 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 you you know I, I laugh. It, we we own a lot of our own equipment, most most of it, and mm-hmm. just like every other grading concrete company, sure. industrial contracting company that's out there, we we, we like to own those assets because we grew up playing with those toys. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense for a lot of different business reasons. Um, you can rec- you can rent equipment all day long. Mm-hmm. You can't rent leadership. Mm-hmm. Leadership's uh, it has a lot of the same qualities, but it's unique to each individual organization, right? You have to you. you for, for, you know, I, I say that, and, I, and then I contradict it a little bit. Great leaders are great leaders, no matter what business they're in. But it does take a little while to understand a company's culture and where they're going in order to be a great leader in that business, sure. right? So you can't rent leadership. You yeah. have to grow that. You have to invest in it. Well, you can't even rent people. And there's, I know there's some staffing companies out there, and I get the application here yeah. or there, but that's not a long-term solution because no. they're hired guns, they're hired hands. And so I, I understand ramping up for projects, this and that, but if you're creating a sustainable business, you need a, a core group of people right. that are bought in the culture, that are bought in on the business. Like we, uh, our, our parallels, so we've been developing software. We've had a lot of offshore developers. Mm-hmm. For the sake of cost, it's just more effective right. um, when you're beginning. But you get to a point where a full-time person can outperform multiple offshore developers because they can communicate more effectively. They're mm-hmm. bought in on the culture. They understand where the business is going long-term. Right. They right. understand the mission, the right. purpose. Right. They understand the big picture. They don't just look at what needs to happen. They look at, they're not just looking at the, the, the dirt that needs to be moved today. They're looking at the project as a whole and why that dirt needs to be moved today is the best way I can explain it in mm-hmm. dirt terms, mm-hmm. which is how my brain works, not yeah. in software terms. So we've started to replace a lot of our contract developers with full-time for that reason. Because yeah. if we have these bought-in human beings that are aligned with our culture, yeah. that understand what we're trying to accomplish, we can do much greater things yeah. with that than just purely looking at the dollars and why this makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. We're, we're, the, we're the same way. We want people, we want to bring people in and we want them to retire with Wayne Brothers yeah. on their own terms. We, you know, we, we, we don't, want to go hire for a job we don't want to go hire for a day um and, and it goes back to the you, you mentioned this earlier is you know when you when you buy that dozer and slap the logo on it that's mine i get to keep that nobody can take that from me mm-hmm. right um and with people if you train them and they leave that hurts yeah um and, and i'm sure you've heard the statement we say it all the time would you rather train your people and have them leave or train your people and, or not train your people and have them stay yeah right i mean yeah. it's just you 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 have to sure um and uh so that it's it's huge for all of us to get people who understand our organization yeah one one thing too on this front that i've underappreciated is and i don't think it's talked about very much new people coming into organization mm-hmm. they have a lot of baggage mm-hmm. they have a lot of stuff following them around mm-hmm. from past jobs mm-hmm from past relationships, from past life experiences, mm-hmm. from childhood, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And getting rid of that, mm-hmm. getting them to move past that, it takes oftentimes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like people, I think a lot of people, they're coming in these organizations, they're abused mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Straight up abuse mm-hmm. as human beings. And it, it takes a lot of patience and grace initially just to even get people past that point 
of abuse just right. to see the other side right. before you can even get them to understand a new system. Right. And it's a balance. You know, we have goals we need to meet today. We got to produce. We got to make cash flow. We got to make a functioning business. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't therapy hour. I right. get it. But at the same time, there needs to be a good system to bring people into this organization and, and be patient with them as right. they readjust right. before they can even start producing right. significantly. And I've learned that more and more, which is so interesting. And some people get it in a few weeks. Some people, it takes months. Yeah. Some people, it takes years yeah. to really like, you, you just, you see it one day like, oh, they, wow, yeah. they, they're really, they, they get it. That's extraordinary. Yeah. But that's, that's also tricky because it's, well, they just don't get it. Get rid of them. Right. Just get somebody else. Right. And that's just not, not how it works. You're right. Uh, onboarding is one of the toughest things for any, even organizations that want to do it well mm -hmm. and, and have things in place that would allow them to do it well. It's still really tough. Yeah. Because we're all different people. We're all a product of our experiences. I never had your experiences. You never had mine. Yeah. So if we hear the same message on that video screen or even with somebody standing right in the middle of the room with us, we hear the exact same words spoken. You're going to hear something differently than I am. Yeah. Which um, is crazy. So crazy. It is. Know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so then how do you go about, if you have a standard onboarding process, how do you go about going from two different people hearing the same message and having two different points of view on what was just said? to going out into the organization and understanding what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is so hard. Um, and you, I, I don't have a silver bullet for that. You just have to kind of keep engaging uh, with people. I, we, we talk a lot about emotional intelligence at our, uh, at our company, um, stress management, empathy, you know, engagement with others. That, that's literally the, I think, the only way to cross the chasm that you're describing yeah yeah, yeah. um because it's not procedural yeah sure. like you don't just put a process in place and that makes it all better i mean yeah that that, that helps systems yeah. help um but it's going to take an individual you know if i if i'm new at, at buildwood it's going to take you to take me under your wing and show me hey here's what's expected out here yeah and now i've got to head off to wherever you head to to film next here's so and so who's that's your mentor sure if you've got questions go to them yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a tough thing to do is onboard people in the right way. What's the best thing you all have done over the past year or two? What's one of those changes you've made that mm -hmm. you're now sitting here like, oh, how did we do it before? Yeah. I think th there's a couple different things. A couple that we've done and a couple that we're in the middle of doing. Um one is we've always had a defined culture. Um, but we've really started to focus on behaviors, mm. um, and behaviors that support our values and the values that support the culture that mm. we want. Um, and we still have some work to do to try to get all of those behaviors out into the world and making sure everybody kind of understands them and lives them. But, um, we talked about a couple of those earlier in the morning toolbox talks, trying not to just check a box, sure. you know, and, and sometimes we're successful there. Sometimes we're not. Talk about those behaviors that we want to see um, and talk about the things that are going to make us successful in that day, in that week, quarter, month. I think um, when uh, it was probably four years ago, um, 
we talked about this earlier, our, our civil group specifically had grown, 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 grown. Yeah. Um, and we got to the point, me as the leader, I kind of took my off the ball a little bit. And, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We were doing well. Mm-hmm. And that covers a number of matters of sins. And, um, and then all of a sudden, as you're growing, um, your leadership base is spread more and more thin. Mm-hmm. You're adding new people that may or may not understand everything that you need them to understand. And so your leaders have more to do, more to manage, and less ability to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And we kind of took a step back and said, you know what? Culture and uh, building and the right people on the team is more important than having a, a better revenue order than we had last quarter, mm. right? So I think, and, and, and we, and, you know, we, we shrunk for the first time in a decade in, in the civil group mm. um, about 10, 12% on top line basis um, and worked hard on a number of different things that we could get into if you wanted to, but all of them tied back to people. Um, and then over the last three years, we've doubled in size. Wow. Right. So we went from, you know, a 10, 15, 20% growth curve over 10 years in, in, in this group specifically hmm. to, all right, not sustainable, not fun, uh, not all of the right people in the right spots, um, to shrinking and then doubling in size. So was that, was that shrinking, was that completely deliberate? Nothing's ever completely deliberate. You yeah. want to look back on it, especially as a leader of something and go, yeah, we decided we were going to do that. Yeah. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm smart. I called it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is all me guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and when I say leaders and not, not just me, but our group, our leadership yeah, team. Sure. Right. But, um, <clears throat> in reality, there's always market conditions that go, all right. Yeah. Um, this place is no longer fun to work. I'm leaving. Yeah. But when you lose people, you shrink whether you want to or not. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, back to your question, was it intentional? Um, it was intentional because we were forced to do it. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Would we have done it if things kept Cadillacing in the right way? And, and, sure. uh, you know, maybe, maybe not, but at some point you got to pay the piper. And, um, yeah. and we'd got to that point where we were not able to, um, to go any further. Yeah. So we had to make a decision mm-hmm. and we did. And we, and we took some people who were just operational based and gave them, whether it's a training or a leadership role, or we kind of reassigned the smart people that exhibit the behaviors that we want in roles that they could grow other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of counterintuitive because our, one of our best project managers who gets one of the, you know, he's, he's the operations manager now, some of our best superintendents, we're going to take them out of supervising the project on a daily basis and get them up into kind of oversight roles. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that really going to make sense? We're taking some of our best people out of the actual work. Yeah. And then next thing you know, we've got a whole nother group of young leaders emerging and the right people leading them. Um, And now, and that was, you know, three or so years ago. And now those young leaders are older leaders and they're taking a lot of pride in growing the guys that were their young crew members back then, right? So um, if I had to say what was the, the 
best success that we've had over the last few years, I think it would be that. Um, and and you, you talked about uh, earlier, you, one of the you had an eye opening moment. I can't remember how you worded it. You said I didn't realize how naive I was, or maybe this is a naive statement, but I started to realize how naive I am. Yeah, yeah. I always liken it to um, you know studying for a math test back when I was in college. Um, I, I'm like, oh man, I got this, rushing it. And you turn the page, you go. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. You realize how much you don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, it was always like 10 PM the night before the test. Right. And I go, all right, all nighter. Sure. Um, but that it was an epiphany. So back to your question, was it intentional? We, at one point we realized how much we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of got to back up all the all nighter, put in the hard work. And now we're seeing, you know, we're not, not everything's perfect, but we're seeing kind of the fruits of that labor Yeah. and the growth. This is, it's a byproduct, right? We talked about that earlier. Is it, the growth was a byproduct of having the right plan on people. In business, we measure growth by revenue. Mm-hmm. In the construction industry, especially, like you go to the ENR list. Yeah. That's by revenue. Yeah. So you're ranking companies by revenue, which in some ways points to something. Right. In other ways, is meaningless. Right. <laughs> and, and so. I think it's, and I'm so guilty of this, it's so fun to talk about growth and talk about revenue and because that's the yardstick, but a lot of times it's not growth. And so you can be growing from a revenue standpoint consistently, consistently, but mm-hmm. declining in other ways. Mm-hmm. And then you can be growing in other ways while you're not gl- growing necessarily in revenue. Right. Um, it's just, it's easy to fall into the trap of defining growth and success by purely top line. Yes. How much money's coming into this business but that doesn't mean a lot in the grand scheme of things i remember my friend's dad talking about i didn't really understand this at the time but Mm -hmm. he's like i would much rather own a 10 million dollar business making 2 million a year Mm -hmm. than a 100 million dollar business making 4 million a year yeah yeah (laughs) it's like (laughs) because the 10 million is way easier like why would i do 10 times the work for twice the money it doesn't make sense right uh and i didn't really get i was like why wouldn't you want a hundred million dollar year business? That's pretty cool. And talking yeah. about, you know, yeah. we make nine figures. We're a pretty yeah. big deal. Yeah. But I understand it's like, ah, because <laughs> that doesn't matter how much comes in at the top. It's what you can keep. It's how much you can invest. It's yes. the the people you can grow along the way. It's it's what you can go create, the problems you can solve in the world. Right. That's that's what really matters. Um Yeah, no, you're you're right. You growth is important. It it yes. Um yes. But growth for the right reasons, yes. right? If you're just trying to grow the top line, like a lot of, uh, especially some in the past, EPC construction firms that were really just focused on growing top line so they could sell the BE or to do whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, that's- Which has happened a lot. A lot. That, that's not the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started at Wayne Brothers, we were a $20 million a year company. Mm-hmm. Now we're a quarter of a billion dollar company and yeah. plans to continue to grow. Not that we're the biggest, but that's obviously a lot of growth over my career. Yeah. Would I still be here if we were a $20 million company? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Right. But I know for certain that all of my coworkers that we have here wouldn't be here mm-hmm. because you can't afford to have 600 wonderful people in a $20 million company. Sure. So if you're growing, for the sake of allowing your people to grow, then the, then the byproduct is profitable growth. Mm-hmm. If you're growing just that top line for the reasons that we said, it's going to be decoupled. Yeah. You know, if you're really the rocket fuel is your 
culture, cultural growth, safety growth, all the things that go into being a successful construction company is coupled with your top line growth and producing a bottom line that fuels mm-hmm. the continued growth mm-hmm. of the culture. That's, I mean, to the moon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you were providing opportunities for people who are at your organization to continue to grow for themselves, for their families. They grow the company. Um, you know, we, you asked earlier what some of the, what, what do you, what's the best thing you've done in the next couple of years? And I said, well, there's a couple of things we've done, which we talked about and some others, some, a couple of things that we're doing is really trying to figure out how we can take the next step. You know, there's, there's seven of us that are, um, partners in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, how can seven people be across the entire Southeast? Sure. You know, we've got an office in just north of Charlotte and Davidson, just south and here in Nashville and Eagleville, um, down in the low country and building it in Walterboro, um, in between Charleston and Savannah. Mm. So can those seven people be everywhere all at once? And we, and we cover the entire Southeast out of those offices. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get 30, 40, a hundred, continue to grow it. More people that understand where the company's going and they and grow it and manage it and then reap the reward of that growth, right? So mm-hmm. what, you know, if, if I was to come back on this podcast in another couple of years and you were to ask that same question, sure. I think I'd be telling you the story in more detailed fashion of what we're trying to accomplish right now and how we can really encourage that correct type of growth. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can have you back on in a few years. I, I'll, I'll, every once in a while, eh, very rarely, but every once in a while, I'll listen to a, a, an episode I, I did a long time ago just yeah. to compare and contrast. Yeah. And I'll sit there. I mean, some of them were like four years ago, and it's just like I was, <laughs> I was so wrong. I was so stupid. Oh, I can't believe I can't believe I was talking like that. I'll probably listen to this one <laughs> in two weeks and say that. I don't know. I don't know. This one sounds pretty good. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can have you back on in a few years and see what the progress is looking like. But it's sounded pretty exciting for right now. It's a it's a fun it's a fun time to be in this industry. Absolutely, and it's even better when you got cool people around you who who all are pulling for each other and if and and it's the best time ever to be one of those cool people yeah like just don't suck show up every day do your best support everybody around you grow yourself like if you have a good attitude about where you're going and and take ownership of of where you want to be in your life yeah you can do anything and it sounds so stupid and it's so simple but that's kind of how it works yeah, no, you're exactly right. They're a great book, Hungry, Humble, Smart, Patrick Lencioni, and our, our version as a show up on time with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Once you've learned, work hard. Mm-hmm. Once you've grown, be willing to teach others. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's all it is. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not hard. Yeah. I was talking to a trade school with some 17, 18 year old high school kids um, last week. And it, we had a great time and they were, they were asking all these different awesome questions, which gets me really excited about the next generation that's coming into the construction industry, which we really need to focus on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you all are doing a great job of engaging. Um, but that's the message. Show up willing to work, show, show up early mm. with a good attitude, mm. be willing to work, be willing to learn. And once you get to the point where you have some knowledge, bring somebody else in the industry and teach them. Sure. That's it. Yeah. Pretty simple. Well, um, I appreciate coming out here, chatting with us. I guess if somebody wants to look you guys up, go to work for Wayne Brothers, how do they find you? Yeah, WayneBrothers.com is our website. Yeah. And 
probably just like every construction company in the world, the first thing that's going to pop up is your ability to apply. Sure. Um, right. Well, but, you'd, you'd think so, but a lot of companies, uh, I'm talking to some folks later today, yeah. looking at their websites, it's really hard to apply. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm a job seeker, you'd, you'd, you'd be surprised. Yeah. 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 So yeah, waynebrothers.com. We work all across the Southeast. Again, as you said, we offices just north of Charlotte, North Carolina, mm. Eagleville, which is just south of here in Tennessee. Um, uh, we've got office storefront offices in Charleston and Savannah, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Tr- Savannah, Georgia, and we're building our new operations facility to serve both of those markets in Walterboro, South okay. Carolina. Yeah, right now. So yeah, anybody who um, who is interested and can go and apply there, and of course they can look me up on LinkedIn. I think that's about uh, one of the few socials uh, sure. I'm on. So and, yeah, and just yeah. reach out to me directly as well. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for coming by. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry. I, I really do. You're, uh, uh, you're, you're not just making people more aware of it, but you're improving it. So thanks for that. We're doing what we can. I mean, I don't always, again, say the right thing, but I try to at least most of the time. None of us do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>